0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com, that's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 175 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are outlining strategies to become more sustainable consumers. I have talked a lot on this show about conscious consumption, becoming conscious consumers, but today we are flipping the script a little bit and talking about what it means to be a sustainable consumer. Are there places where sustainable and conscious consumption overlaps? Are they completely different terms? We're going to find out today as I speak with Stephen McMaster from Impact Snacks. Stephen calls himself the sustainability police for Impact Snacks, and so he is the perfect person for me to talk to about how to make more conscious and sustainable consumption choices as well as how to best lead with eco-consciousness in a market that greenwashes the heck out of everything. Let's waste no time and get right into the interview. Enjoy my chat with Stephen McMaster. Stephen, I am so excited to have you on the show and talk to somebody from my new favorite brand of snack bars, Impact Snacks. How are you?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. I know. I know Corey had a great time when he was on on your podcast before, even though I think uh, we had some, the dog started barking and and such. So uh, I'm I'm in, in the basement now, no dog, but I'm excited to get going today.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, this is a low budget podcast that we're not, you know, um <laughs> a money making machine over here. So dogs, babies, I've had horns honk from the street outside and we just roll with it here at the sustainable minimalist podcast. But I already alluded to you working at Impact Snacks. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do for Impact? And what impact snacks has been up to since I talked to Corey back in December?
1: Jeez, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who I am? I'm Stephen McMaster. Uh, I'm the, as as they say, the sustainability wizard or sustainability police here. It depends on how I think you're doing. I'm here. I regulate the internal practices, sustainability wise. Uh, that's basically just because I'm I'm. A, a prick about that kind of thing. Uh, I have exceptionally high personal standards, and so my job is to to apply them in a business practice here. Uh, Impact Snacks—we are—it's a superfood bar that tackles the challenge of making a fast-moving consumer good sustainable. So I like to I like to think of the company as actually a, a challenge, almost a test in sustainable practices. So how do you make a product that is on par or greater quality-wise with competitors? A single-use product that is sustainable. So it's plastic-free. We use a bioplastic wrapper. It looks, feels, functions like plastic, but it composts at home in the ocean. You can even eat it. If you follow any of our socials, I see a lot of content about that. Uh, And it's also 250% carbon negative. So the thesis here is you should be able to make the sustainable choice effortless for consumers. Uh, You shouldn't need to compromise on price, on quality to do something that puts good back out into the world.
0: And as the sustainability controller or the sustainability police, as you mentioned, <laughs> what is your day to day like? What do you focus your efforts on the most?
1: Yeah, absolutely. One thing that that's important. So our our company kind of drumbeat is is a, a principle called kaizen, which basically means continuous improvement. So the idea is that we're we're always going to make make efforts to improve our practices. A lot of what I do sustainability-wise is research-based. I work with our various partners, our our offset partners. I work with our our different credit providers. Uh, I spend a lot of time verifying carbon offset projects and meeting with offset providers. And I could do probably a TED Talk about all my gripes with the carbon carbon offset industry, but it transitions to other things like our, our materials, our films. So is our are the the materials that we're using for some new products that we have in the pipeline? Uh, are the, are those materials the composting standards high enough? Uh, so on and so forth. So it's it's a lot of research based uh, and then contextualization and actualization.
0: I think it's so amazing that Impact has a sustainability controller on the payroll. I would, I don't know for sure, but I would. Guess that so many companies, if not the vast majority of companies, do not have a sustainability controller or somebody completely dedicated to ensuring that a company is doing right by the environment on their payroll, right? So, that alone, the fact that your job (laughs) exists, really says something about Impact Snacks. But your job and your experience makes you the perfect person to talk about sustainable consumption, and that's really what I want to talk to you today, is how my listeners and how I can become sustainable consumers. And I think this is an important topic because on this show, I talk all the time about don't buy, reuse, buy secondhand, don't buy new, don't buy new. I say that until I'm blue in the face. But the fact remains that in 2021, buying is a part of life. So I do also believe then that it's on us to make sustainable and conscious purchasing decisions. So let's start there. How, in your opinion, is sustainable consumption, sustainable purchasing different than conscious consumption? Are there ways that those two concepts are similar or, or different?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking, as you were saying, um, sustainable consumption is almost almost an oxymoron. Almost, but we're working to improve that. Uh, yeah, I think that they're they're really related, but there's an important important distinction with those two concepts. So uh, I look at consciousness as the vehicle, and sustainability is the destination. So if you're if you're a conscious consumer, uh, you're going to to start to be sustainable or more sustainable. You're going to by default start making more sustainable decisions. But you, you need to be conscious to get there first. So consciousness is the pathway for, for how you get there. And kind of how that relates is if you're listening to a podcast like this one, if you're making the effort, you don't need to know everything you need to know under the sun about sustainability. But what I say and what I say to my team is even if you don't have the answers, if you don't have the stats, you don't have the specifics, if you're making the effort, if your mind's in the right the right place, if you're going to start start looking. Uh, you're already like 80% of the way there. and what you're going to be doing by by being a conscious consumer is you're shaking up greenwashing basically you're challenging claims and you're kind of being part of a broader push in the market to to improve standards
0: well you brought up greenwashing which is definitely an aspect to sustainable consumption that we have to talk about but the idea of becoming a more conscious, more intentional, more sustainable consumer, whatever adjective you want to use there, seems like it takes an awful lot of work and an awful lot of energy. And I think I speak for most, if not all of my listeners, when I say that we're all time-strapped, we're all tired. (laughs) We don't necessarily have the time to do hours of research and go down that rabbit hole. It's way easier to head to your favorite mega giant e-commerce site and buy the cheapest thing. So what do you say to listeners who are exhausted just at the thought of changing their consumption habits for the better?
1: Yeah, I and I really hear you. I mean, it's hard for me to say that it's not a lot of work because it's my full-time job, but when people consider making sustainable choices or or conscious choices, they think that they need to start looking for certain labels. They need to start looking for specific ingredients all the time. Uh, they need to be wary of if it's sourced from, from this country, if it's sourced from there. Uh, and, and what I suggest is in, instead of, because that's a, that's a whole rabbit hole. And even for an individual good, um, like my background's in the apparel industry, even for just apparel, you could spend a lifetime learning about all the do's, don'ts, problems in that industry. That can be centuries old. What, what I suggest instead is a shift or, or a change in mentality or, or a change in, in consideration. Um, so you're not looking necessarily for specific things, but you're changing the way that, that you look at things. And in that way, it isn't necessarily more work, but you're just, you're just viewing the world with conscious eyes or sustainable eyes. Mm. So
0: that brings me then to, of course, dun-dun-dun, greenwashing. And When I first started looking at the world and more specifically looking through my purchasing behavior through the aspirational lens of wanting to be more eco-friendly, I got so caught up, so tripped up in the greenwashing, I thought because something said, all natural or something said biodegradable and it came in like a cardboard colored box instead of a dyed box. I was like, oh, this is the sustainable option. Put it in my cart. But the fact remains, and the more I do this podcast and the more I learn about eco-friendliness, the more I learn that greenwashing is everywhere and it is a full-time job to seek it out and choose the truly eco-friendly option. So let's start there. First of all, for anybody who doesn't know what greenwashing is, give us give us a textbook definition of greenwashing.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um I would say that that greenwashing is when a, a company or a brand is making claims to appeal to sustainable consumers, but their their practices aren't aligned with that or the claim takes advantage of a lack of knowledge and it's not actually the more sustainable option. So I think of greenwashing as a company taking advantage of of conscious buying to to sell product basically.
2: Hmm.
0: And I would perhaps take your answer one step further and say that because the public because consumers as a whole are becoming more interested in purchasing the quote unquote green product or the non-toxic or the eco-friendly product. But again, whatever adjective you want to insert there, because consumers as a whole are, there's a market for those products. Greenwashing is becoming harder and harder to spot because it's more and more prevalent.
1: Oh yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, companies are getting really sneaky and as, as consumers kind of turn up the heat a little bit, it, it seems that that some companies are going to do everything they can except actually the, the right option.
0: Hmm. In your life, in your personal day-to-day life, not in your life as a sustainability policeman, <laughs> what do you do every day when you're searching and ready to purchase something? How do you spot the Products or the brands that are doing things right versus the ones who are greenwashing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, and for me, the first principle of, of shopping with sustainable eyes or conscious eyes uh, is being skeptical of everything. So I kind of uh, I, I try and remove my opinions or my impressions of the brand or the product from from the claim. I'm, I'm just always skeptical. It's a, a blessing and a curse. And I don't want any listeners to go crazy with paranoia, um, but just question question claims, question if uh, things are possible. For me, one of the biggest tip-offs if a company is greenwashing is not actually having to do with the product, but with their product line. So if a company is selling if they have a product line and they have a sustainable option or a sustainable alternative to one of their other products, in my opinion, that means that they're, that they're greenwashing. Uh, I know of a, a clothing brand that they sell. They sell formal dress shirts and they came out with a line that was made out of uh, recycled material. And it was just one line. It was just one product that was meant to be targeted towards younger buyers. And it highlights the difference between a company that is selling goods to sustainable consumers and a company that is selling sustainable goods to consumers. So is doing the right thing actually a core principle of their bread and butter? Or is it something that they're doing separately from their operation to sell a product to someone? So it isn't necessarily just about the product itself, but their product line. That's a tip off for me.
0: Hmm. That is huge. Your answer just made me think about an interview I did with Marcy Zaroff. She is huge into sustainable fashion. And I'll link to that episode for anybody who hasn't listened to it yet. But she essentially said the same thing you just said, which is that there are companies that have sustainability so well and so deeply ingrained with their mission that all their decisions have eco-friendliness in mind. And then there are the companies who are incorporating some sort of eco-friendliness as an afterthought, as a means of selling more products and as a means of not getting left behind. Those were Marcy's exact words. Would you agree
1: with that? Yeah, I I totally uh, agree with that.
0: So what else do you do in your daily life to spot greenwashing every single day?
1: Yeah. Um one thing that I keep track of, this is a really cool rule uh for individuals who are time focused is I actually will time how I view claims on a product. This comes into the the best example for for timing the the claims of a product for me has to do with with apparel. So I'm a stickler about fiber content when it comes to apparel, what the what the garment is made out of. Uh, I don't use synthetics or I don't purposefully buy synthetics. I only like natural fibers. And natural fibers are generally more sustainable than, than the synthetic alternatives. And what you find with apparel is that a company is usually prouder if they use natural fiber or especially all natural fiber. And they don't want you to know if they use a synthetic. So when I'm looking for a label on a piece of clothing, if it takes me more than like 10 seconds to find out what the garment is made out of, there's like a 95% chance it's made out of polyester. If I can find what it's made out of in the first 10 seconds of looking, then it's almost always made out of natural fiber. Uh, again, it's not an exact cut and dry rule, but I found it to be true a shocking amount of the time. And it applies to more things than, than just clothing. So if you're trying to find out, uh, you know, if if a certain ingredient is organic, if it takes you a long time to find that information, odds are if you're able to find it, the answer is no.
0: Yeah. And going back to your apparel tip, that's something I've been working on in my own personal life this year. It's been one of my, I want to say resolutions, I suppose, but is to focus more on the natural fibers and what I've learned is a great trick for me is not to look at the late or the tag that's hanging off of the garment <laughs> cuz the tag might say organic cotton, right? And ooh, organic cotton. But instead, look at the garment tag on the inside which says exactly what the what the piece is made out of. It could be 80% organic cotton, 20% spandex to give it that nice little stretch, right? Yes, it has organic cotton, but it is then essentially mixed with a polyester. So that's what I do. I just skip those tags and go straight to the label on the inside. I don't know if if that you're the person with the apparel background, but is that a is am I doing the right thing?
1: Yeah, you're doing exactly the right thing. That that's just what I do. And if it was a 100% organic cotton garment, usually that's going to be somewhere like in the collar on the back of the collar. On, oftentimes, it's on a, a cloth label. It's not on one of those tags that's meant to be cut off. So
0: conversely here, I mean, I know before you mentioned that you're skeptical of everything, and I am too. I think the process of becoming an intentional consumer just makes People skeptical, right? I. <laughs> it's just the way it is. I want to believe every claim that's out there, but I just know enough now that I can't. And I think that most people on this intentional consumption uh, journey come to that place. So why don't I ask you the same question, but I flip it a little bit. What should we be looking for? Like, what are the good actors, the actors who deserve... To be supported with our money, what are they doing? What should we look for as consumers when we're trying to find them?
1: Yeah, that, that's a, a really good question. That's probably the har- hardest thing for me to answer. Uh, I'll fence it a little bit because I I don't believe anyone is doing enough. Really, um, going back to our our company motto kaizen is is continual improvement so every time someone reaches you know a brand reaches a standard i'm going to i'm going to push my expectations uh, a little bit higher i think and maybe this is this is an obvious or cliche but for me it comes down to transparency and though maybe it, it isn't as helpful if you don't have the the time to dedicate but if i have to really really dig on a company site to find information about you know, sustainability practices or answers to a question about one of their practices. Cause just because they're they're making an effort doesn't necessarily mean the effort is well placed. Going back to that idea that if there's something that is hard to find, it's probably because the company doesn't want you to know it. I find that if it's easy to find information about sustainable practices with a company, I'm gonna gravitate towards that that company. Oftentimes too, when they admit faults Uh, It means that the the company is, it it is a focus area. They're going to make an effort. It's not possible at the moment, I don't believe, for most companies to be completely net zero, completely circular in every way. So if a company is aware and transparent with its challenges, what it's working on, the solutions aren't always easy. I appreciate that a lot.
0: So then I have to ask you, what companies do you support? and feel good about supporting
1: um <laughs> man that that's again that's a really tough one i mean i i got i have to tell you i got so fed up with fast fashion like i guess it was maybe six months ago or maybe more no it was more than that um actually about a year ago i got so fed up with fast fashion i just decided to start making all of my own clothes out of bed sheets i got from thrift stores so like that that's that's where i'm at uh <laughs> for, for for reference i i i really would struggle struggle to name uh, a specific company
0: okay well i that's fine and i will say that you bring to light a really important point which is that the most intentional decision that you and I and my listeners can make is that decision to not buy whenever possible. I don't know if any of my listeners are gonna go buy reused bed sheets and make their own clothes. If they are two high fives, but reuse, relying on your own skill set, buying secondhand, those are all tried and true intentional techniques for living a more sustainable life.
1: I, I totally do agree. If anyone is going to go out there and make bedsheet clothes like me, uh, let's hang out. But also, I, I wouldn't want to name a company because I, I wouldn't want a listener to buy from somewhere just because I said so.
0: Perfect. And side note, can you please send me a picture of your bed sheet clothes? <laughs>
1: yes i'll send you some veggie clothes
0: i mean i have an image in my mind and i'm hoping the reality is different than the image in my mind (laughs) all right so i am of the opinion or i'm of the assumption that all of my listeners who have made it 25 minutes into this episode they want to improve upon their consumption habits so what is one change that we can all make that will have the biggest impact when it comes to our purchasing behavior?
1: Yeah, uh, this is certainly not original, but I recommend waiting a day, waiting before you buy something. And actually going back to, to this kind of my, my apparel journey is I used to kind of impulse buy clothing because it, it, it was, you know, it was cheap or even If it was secondhand, I would impulse buy something that I didn't need. And I found that when I made this rule that if I wanted, I had to make it, almost all the time, I never ended up making it because of the effort involved. And then I actually never missed it. And I realized that if I I really wanted it, I would put the effort in to make it. And I learned how many things I actually didn't want. I just thought I did in the moment. And maybe that's an extreme example, but the the way I think that's easiest to apply it and that I have for other things is, is wait a day, wait some time before you buy something, recognize that you want it. And then, you know, write it down. I have a, a, I have a camera roll folder where I'll take a picture of something that I want. And how it works out is I'll usually check it like, Oh, you know, Weeks later, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I remember taking a picture of that thing. Totally didn't miss it."
2: Hmm.
0: Well, that is an extreme answer, but I the bed sheets have proven to me that you're an extreme, <laughs> you're an extreme guy. But the sentiment holds true, right? Like for us in 2021, when we can go to Amazon, Walmart, Target, whatever online store we want, and buy in 30 seconds. Taking a step back and waiting 24 hours can make a huge impact. And it sounds so simple, right? Like, oh, just sleep on it. I say it all the time on this show, but even still, I don't always do it and I don't know why. So for anybody listening who's thinking like, oh, I've heard that before. Yes, we've all heard it, but do we actually reliably do it? And you know, I'm just thinking out loud now, the reason why I don't always wait 24 hours is because I want to get it off of my mind. I want to get it off my to-do list. Let's say, I don't know, my daughter needs cleats or whatever it is, right? I want to just acquire the cleats so I don't have to think about it tomorrow. But becoming a sustainable consumer means slowing down the purchasing process. So, that's just that's just like my mind coming out my mouth right there, but
1: yeah, for sure. I I love the um I love the the kind of take a picture deal that I make with myself because in the same way, it feels like I'm I'm taking it home. So I, there's a certain level of satisfaction. I'm not just walking away because I'm always afraid that I'm gonna forget it, something that actually would you know would be significant to me if I bought it. It feels like i'm I'm coming away with something and I'm preserving the opportunity for myself. It removes my qualms um, and makes it easier to to step away and and take some time. But you're right. I mean, these websites, especially e-commerce sites, are designed to make it as quick and easy as possible for you to, to purchase something. Uh, I know even if there's like a little hiccup with the checkout process for a website, I get like mad because my my expectations are that it should be so easy. I'm like, don't you want to take my money <laughs> kind of thing? But <laughs> yeah.
0: So let's talk about Impact Snacks for a minute before we say goodbye. I know you have two new flavors out. Tell me about them and tell me where I can try them.
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing you need to know about the two new flavors is that they're really good. The two existing flavors I thought kind of really covered you throughout the day. You had the the vanilla latte, which, you know, I start the day with one usually, and then the dark chocolate brownie is good for any as good as any dessert, but the the two new flavors really just kind of kind of round out the product line. So I've tried the samples; uh, they're really good. I think that that we're a, a couple weeks out before we have launch on that, uh, but everyone should should get ready to ready to cue them up or or try a box in their next order.
0: <laughs> okay, so when you email me pictures of your your sheet clothing, also send me an email of when I can buy the new bars because I am anxiously awaiting. I love your is it chocolate brownie? The chocolate one. The second in the you know mid afternoon, four o'clock hits, uh, and I have that sugar craving, I reach for that chocolate brownie ish bar and then I compost my wrapper in my outdoor composting bin and I am the happiest sustainable consumer in the world. I I will also say, like, and this is not tooting your horn. This is this is my real life. I am super picky about snack bars. Yours are really good, and you had said something earlier about how you want to make um, a. I don't know exactly the words you use, You want to make a comparable product or a better product than what's already on the market, and you guys absolutely have done that. So thank you so much.
1: Awesome! I pre- I love hearing that. Um, you rock for composting your wrapper. Uh, I just eat mine. It's easier. (laughs) Just kidding.
0: You would.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I have actually, I can't lie. I definitely have, but uh, they'll all all make fun of me for the number of, of wrappers I've eaten. But uh, yeah, I I think, I think if you haven't tried the bars, it's a super cool way. um, Exactly. Like you said, if it was about doing the right thing, we, we wouldn't, you wouldn't have a podcast. We wouldn't be having this conversation. So we need to make the sustainable choice, uh, effortless for people and uh we hope that we do that i want to say if when the the new products come out or if you want to try our bars if you haven't already follow the instagram and the tiktok account actually we have our our content guys are like absolutely awesome they're so funny and we have our own podcast which you should queue up after the episode with Corey. Um, it's called people and planet unwrapped it's on spotify and we have our head content Uh, creator Aiden, who's like hilarious. He covers some topics, especially having to do in the the food industry. Uh, So it's just a good, it's a pretty quick listen. And it's a kind of, it's a laugh out loud kind of podcast.
0: Ooh, I love a good laugh out loud podcast. I'm going to check it out and I'm going to add it into this week's show notes for anybody who also wants to take a listen, but really quick, where can listeners buy and try Impact Snack
1: Bars? best way is on the website so uh you can buy it direct to direct to your door from the website uh we're starting a retail push um but that's that's starting more more local so actually the first store that the bars went into was in cory's hometown of north andover uh, a little shop there so kind of coming full circle which is super cool um but i think the best way unless you're you're in the the New England area in the mass area is is to go uh, right to your door get them on the website
0: Stephen thank you so much i <laughs> I've laughed an awful lot during this conversation. I enjoyed every minute of it Thank you for coming on
1: of course thanks so much for having me It's really refreshing to um to to get to chat about about this kind of thing with with like-minded people i mean uh it, it's just kind of great to to share and it makes me feel like Having this community actually is going to going to make the push broader in the industry to make some better decisions. So it's just just empowering and uh, and a lot of fun too.
0: I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Stephen McMaster of Impact Snacks, and more importantly, I hope you are leaving today with some tangible takeaways from our chat. I have linked to all the good stuff, everything we talked about today in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 175. Now on next week's show, we are talking about the 1000 hours outside campaign, and we're talking about practical, real life ways that we can spend more time outside. I will see you then have an amazing week and take care.